Welcome to Mail Plus Audio Book Club, where you can listen to free audio versions of books serialized in the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday. Visit Mail Plus Audio to find our latest audiobook extracts, plus podcasts, audio documentaries, and more. If you enjoyed this Mail Plus audiobook extract, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Liquid Gold by Roger Morgan Grenville, Part 1 Like many old countrymen of his era, my grandfather's gardener, Mr Fowler, had a flat cap that he never took off, a pipe kept permanently in his mouth, and some very old-fashioned views about horticulture. He maintained, for example, that the best time to plant potatoes was when the soil had warmed up sufficiently after winter that you could sit on it comfortably with your bare backside. I still like to think of the half-shocked, half-delighted Mrs. Fowler looking out from the kitchen window at her husband, perched among the spring greens, testing the temperature in the traditional way with a faraway look in his eye. Fortunately, the potato-planting season had long passed when, one midsummer afternoon during my childhood, the Fowlers invited me to tea, followed by a visit to the beehive at the bottom of their tiny garden. In the monochrome world of 1960s food, honey was something I actually liked, but Mr Fowler explained that the glistening riches within the hive were not yet ready for harvest and invited me to come back when they were. Boys of nine don't easily understand when they are being honoured, and I never did go again, but Mr Fowler's efforts to enthuse me were not entirely in vain, leading my life on to a very unexpected path almost half a century later. One March weekend in 2016, my wife Caroline and I dropped into our local pub in West Sussex after a long walk with the dogs and got chatting to Duncan and Luzanne, a much younger couple who had recently moved to our village with their two little boys. We all left the pub together and Duncan, who runs a fruit and vegetable business out of New Covent Gardens in London, noticed a little set of shelves where local produce was sold. Blimey! he said, picking up a small pot of honey. Seven pounds for that? I'm in the wrong business. We were all impressed by the honey's dark clarity, but what really caught the eye was the simple handwritten label announcing that it had come from a garden not 200 yards away. I've always fancied keeping bees, said Duncan, and this stirred in me memories of peering at the rich golden honey in Mr Fowler's hive. A lot had happened in my life since then. After eight years as a soldier in the Royal Green Jackets, serving all over the world, I'd helped to set up the charity Help for Heroes. More recently, I'd got involved with a local cricket team, but most of my time was spent working for a small kitchenware company, and I had the slight feeling that life was passing me by. While our two sons were growing up, I'd been able to point to their development as little accomplishments that were my own. Now they were gone, and so was that deception. I needed to achieve new things that I was proud of before I lost the ability to achieve anything at all. And from all this somehow grew the idea that Duncan and I should become beekeeping buddies. Although we agreed to split all the costs and work involved, he argued that the hive should be kept at my place. Bees and small children don't mix, he said, and in the months to come we would prove many times over that bees and big children don't mix either. We were hopelessly late in our preparations. 
The proficient beekeeper has all their work for the coming season done and dusted by the end of February, but, typical of our sex, we still wanted the instant gratification of honey coming out of our ears by the approaching autumn. With this in mind, we started with that most decisive and English of activities, buying ourselves a notebook. In hindsight, we probably spent more time choosing that than any other bit of kit. As we sat around my kitchen table the following Saturday morning, Duncan wrote a formal upper-fold bee farm in block capitals on the first page. This was followed by income and expenditure tables, which he laid out so beautifully that it was almost tempting to stop there. I set it on the kitchen table by the fruit bowl. It signalled to the outside world that we were in business, but we should have thought more discriminatingly about the use of the heading Profit something we were unlikely to see before the reunification of the Korean Peninsula. We aimed to outlay no more than £250 on our new hobby, but Duncan, who missed no opportunity to buy new kit, immediately persuaded me that our first major investment should be a brand new and beautiful but eye-wateringly expensive hive from our local bee equipment wholesaler. That's 325 quid, I moaned. I made detail at this stage he assured me. They didn't build a channel tunnel by being on budget. After agreeing that we would save money by buying everything else we needed from an upcoming beekeeping auction, we congratulated ourselves on the immense progress we had made during the morning over a beer. We're basically there, I said. Once we have bought suits and tools at the auction, what more could we possibly need? Bees! asked Caroline innocently as she walked past to the fridge. Duncan and I looked at each other. She had a point, even if we hadn't asked her opinion. The queen and accompanying colony we ordered from a bee farmer in Oxfordshire would not be ready until mid-April, and meanwhile the assembly of the hive, which arrived in kit form, highlighted an essential difference between us. Whereas I would find a shortcut to an existing shortcut if it got the job done quicker, Duncan liked to go through as many stages of preparation as possible, and then add a few more. Given that the hive was at my house, it didn't take a genius to work out who would be doing most of the painting necessary before we put it together, and the trick I discovered was to use primer and undercoat when Duncan was looking, and top coat only when he wasn't. The less he popped by, the quicker the work went, and the quicker it went, the more suspicious he became. However, it was eventually ready, and since Caroline had quite strong views about not having 50,000 bees in the immediate garden, we duly relegated it to a far corner of the paddock in the lee of a damson tree. As we cleared the undergrowth to make way for it, I looked up at the white damson blossom and wild honey bees hovering from flower to flower in the flat spring sunlight. Since bees forage up to three miles from their hive, these might have been wild or from another domestic colony nearby. But what thrilled the very children in our souls was that they would shortly be joined by a thriving colony that would be our own. Thanks to a poisonous cocktail including intensive farming, global warming and pesticides, Britain has lost a third of its honeybees and a quarter of its bumblebee species since the turn of the century. This spot was our own tiny contribution to reversing the trend, and since even environmental activism needs its rewards, 
we opened two bottles of cheap Spanish lager and toasted whatever the future of this adventure might bring. At the beekeeping auction we bought an industrial-sized extractor, a machine which spins the honey out of the frames removed from the hive using centrifugal force, and a second-hand paperback on the sex lives of bees. It would be good to know what they get up to when the lights are out, Duncan had enthused. Admittedly, the book made illuminating reading. I had not realised, for example, that on her mating flight, each queen is serviced by up to 20 drones who, once their duties are done, will all fall from the sky stone dead, their abdomens ripped open. The night before collecting our new arrivals, we went down to the hive with the air of new hoteliers about to welcome their first paying guest of the season. Deciding that the trunk of a felled apple tree should be the vantage point from which we observed the bees, we dragged it closer. As the weeks came and went, we found that there was no greater pleasure on summer evenings than to sit on this log with a mug of tea or beer, watching the smoke from Duncan's cheroot drifting into the branches of the damson tree above us and wondering idly what was going on inside the hive. In that magical phase of our increasingly close and uncomplicated friendship, we discovered that, although I was about 25 years older than him, we both had a sense of the ridiculous, a love of shared adventure, and a passion for cricket. Liquid Gold by Roger Morgan Grenville Copyright 2020 by Icon Book Recorded with the permission of Brilliance Publishing Inc. All rights reserved. Audiobook available at brilliancepublishing.com and amazon.com. Visit Mail Plus Audio to find our latest audiobook extracts, plus podcasts, audio documentaries, and more. If you enjoyed this Mail Plus Audiobook extract, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit Mail Plus Audio to find our latest audiobook extracts, plus podcasts, audio documentaries, and more. If you enjoyed this Mail Plus Audiobook extract, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. <laughs> <laughs>